It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. This is another edition of Frontline Friday with my very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, how are you doing? I'm doing super, Andy. How are you doing this morning? Oh, doing great. So, you know, even though people have been tuning in week after week and hearing us talk what they don't know in the background, you've actually been gone the last few weeks. You've been on a very interesting trip. You've been in Russia. I know. And it was so fantastic. I have, I think I told you this, Andy, is I have a sister who lives in Moscow. She's actually been there for three years. So just a wonderful opportunity to go over and experience Moscow, not like a a Russian, because she's certainly not, um, you could never consider her uh, a local, even, even close to a local. So you experienced it like an oligarch. I experience, and you know what? I like. Ex- I hate to say it. I like experiencing it like an oligarch. I mean, it's a very it's a, it's a privileged way to see it. I w- I should just say that it was a really uh, wonderful, interesting, informative. Just changed a lot of my perceptions about uh, Russia, which was great. I like. You know, I think even relating back to business and what you and I do, it's often good to step out of kind of the, the paradigm that we're used to being in, to step out of the way that we're used to thinking about things, step out of the way that we, think kind of the pe- groove think that of pe- we're think in. Think about people. Think about people, just the groove that we're in, to step out for a bit and then step back in. And and Moscow really afforded me that uh, that time to do that. So it was just a super, super trip. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I gosh, I did business back in Moscow before wow. before the fall of the, <laughs> the Berlin Wall, as a matter of fact, back when it was still wow. Soviet, Soviet Union. And, you know, you have these perceptions of, you know, these sort of dour, you know, yeah. communist apparatchiks, as they call them. And, and um, gosh, could have been nicer, warmer, friendlier people that we dealt with on that trip that, uh, yeah, really sort of sets your, sets your, your preconceived notions all on their, on their ear. Yeah, which is, again, what I really appreciated. I, too, I don't know what I was expecting to see, but Moscow is, I I guess I was expecting sort of a dark, cold, gray, industrial-like city, and I found myself in this beautiful, architecturally stunning, very green, modern, almost European city. Stunning, mm-hmm. stunning, clean. It was just, it was fascinating. I don't know that everybody wants to hear everything about <laughs> Russia. I could go on for quite a long time. Welcome to Accelerate, the sales I, travelogue. Exactly. exactly. Maybe we'll, th- that would be fun. Okay. But it was a great trip. Thank you for asking. All right. We'll do that on the next episode. So the, the topic for today is about sales philosophy. You know, mm-hmm. does, does everyone in sales need to have a sales philosophy? And I, I mean, I don't mean, you know, Hakuna Matata type philosophy, mm-hmm. but, but it seems to me like you have to know what you stand for, you know, both personally as well as in sales in order to really have success in sales. So what, what's your thought about that? 
Yeah, I think it's interesting. To me, it's also philosophy. Maybe another way to think about it is is the culture. Mm-hmm. Is is what's the sales culture? And I think it's important to know what your own sort of personal sales philosophy is. And I'll give an example so that you make sure that that philosophy is compatible with an overarching sales culture in an organization. So, for example, my early career in sales, I worked for Xerox. And Xerox's sales culture is one that is very collaborative. It's very team-oriented. It's very uh, customer-centric. And while one might think, well, that's everybody's, that should be everybody's uh, sales culture, it isn't. There are quite a few sales organizations that are much more, and while they may not state this explicitly, it's definitely implicit in in the way that sales reps and sales team operate around get every dollar you can, maximize it for the company, play for, you know, I'm here as a sales rep, I'm here to make as much money as I can. So my own personal philosophy was very much in line with Xerox's sales culture. I'm naturally just more um, thinking about the cu- thinking about the customer, and I don't want to say on the side of the customer. I have to be a sales rep needs to to watch out for the interests of both their prospect or customer as well as the company. But my own personal philosophy around customer first, very team oriented. Do right by the customer, sales will come. Um, I've, I've always looked for alignment with um, the culture of uh, a sales org. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that and part of what motivated the question is, is that some recent experience with some sales reps and so on, where, where they seem to think that their sum total of their existence was to sell something. And to me, that's, that, that's not going to get you very far. Right. If all you're thinking about is just I have to sell this thing, this this product that we're selling, you're really operating in a deficit because really you have to have a bigger understanding, a bigger picture of what it is you're trying to accomplish and really embody that in the actions you take and every step that you take uh, during the day. And so, you know, for me, a philosophy sort of starts with at a personal level is because customers are so sensitive to when they're meeting people, you know, our antenna are really up. We're really focusing on this new person, trying to sort of discern what it is that they're like and what they're going to do for me. And so you really have to, at a personal level, embody these traits that, that are going to engender trust in the customer. You know, do you have, a, do you have integrity? So you think, well, gosh, that's a simple thing to talk about. We've all got integrity or I've got integrity. But but we all you, don't have integrity. But we all don't. And but we all think, don't. And, and I, you know I, it. And you know it when you meet somebody that doesn't. I know. And the, the issue that I've seen, though, Andy, is uh, as a as humans, we are not naturally that self aware. And so I think you could ask everybody, "Do you have integrity?" And they'd say yes. And yet you see lots of different points in time and activities that demonstrate the opposite, demonstrate a lack of integrity. And yet, they, for some reason, 
the way who they identify with and the person who they think they are is not consistent with the actions that um, they they exhibit on a day to day basis. So how do you get that alignment? Well, I, you and I have talked about this before. I am a huge believer in. I'm a huge believer in coaching, particularly at well at any level. I'm I'm a believer in coaching. It it can be uh, expensive, so sometimes some companies will uh, pay for it, which is great. Um, oftentimes, individuals and executives will pay out of pocket, and then there's also a lot of. Uh, sort of self-study that you can do on the topic. But I think unless you really have a, as an individual, a, a desire and a commitment to self-awareness, it's not going to happen. And then, like you talk about this alignment, um, you have to look, it, it comes down to then just to act actions. And, and that's what you have to base it on, is not personally what I believe or even back to the original question, the philosophy. But it's what actions are okay here and which ones aren't. Well, I think you really hit on a key point, which is people, I'm glad you brought that up, because people tend to think that a philosophy is something that, like it's just a mindset. But it's part mindset and it's part actions, right? You right. have to embody your philosophy and what you do. And so, to your point, a great point is that if you're, you know, if you come and think that you're having a hard time building this sort of trust-based relationship with prospects, and it seems to be sort of a, a barrier, then you do need to take a step back and say, what am I doing in my life, in my work life, in my personal life? Am I really embodying this level of integrity that's really required to become this trusted advisor? Because if I'm not people are going to sense it right away. And then take that step back and say, well, what, what can I change to really and, align what I'm doing with my philosophy? And some of what you're talking about, Andy, actually a lot of it, that in and of itself requires a, a level of self-awareness. It requires, God, it requires courage. I think it takes a lot of courage to look inward and try to see the things that are maybe not well definitely not our our strong suits and to to really be able to go at them and to make a to make a change it's why part of what's also helpful in coaching or even just having someone to hold you accountable is i by definition do not know where my blind spots are and i need someone sometimes to help me see where my blind spots are because I can't see them. And so I may have this, this sort of perception of myself that I am this, this individual of high integrity. But people around me may say, geez, okay, you may say that internally, but externally we're seeing something really different. It was, requires a trusting relationship to be able to have that conversation with somebody. And the receiver of that information really committed to wanting to have that information. Because if you don't want to hear it, it's, it's going to fall on deaf ears and probably just cause more trouble. Right. And, and, and um, it, it, it just be, have a negative impact as opposed to a positive one. Right. So you brought up really two key points, I think. And this is, you know, sales is, is somewhat of a unique profession. Not every profession 
has you know this high component of interaction with other people where your your success is so dependent on influencing other people right. and so one you talked about self-awareness is if you want to have a long career long successful career in sales is the ability to be very pragmatic in your self-assessment of what you do well and what you need to improve is absolutely key. I mean, if you don't have that, that to me, that's that's the base, right? Because you know, if you're not if you're not aware of the fact you have shortcomings, and then to your second point, if you're not prepared to go get the advice, the coaching, the feedback, the accountability to help you change and become better, you know, without those two, you're you're sort of absent that that philosophy of service orientation, you know, building trust, being there for the prospect that you really need in order to, to do well. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, companies talk a lot about culture and they'll have, you know, five statements and they'll put up posters and they'll talk about them at uh, all hands meetings and yet culture is, is actually what you, and your values rather, are, are what the individuals in the company do day in and day out. And so, as you've said, the two can't be disconnected. And I see too often, not both at the, the sales team level and the company level, the two are disconnected. We say these things. We say this is our philosophy. We say these are our values, but our actions don't map to what we're saying. And that's where, as you pointed out, philosophy without the activity attached to it is actually pretty meaningless. Mm -hmm. So if I were to ask you what your sales philosophy is, what would you say? Well, I think, as I just mentioned earlier, Number one, you do right by the customer. So I think I have a very customer-first, customer-centric approach, which includes um, a lot of integrity, um, truth-telling, really trying to be there, being their advocate. And again, at the same time, I, I'm also the company's advocate. I, I need to keep those interests in mind. So I would say that's, uh, that's really high on my list. Uh, very much team team player. Mm -hmm. So I know there's a lot of everything's about being an individual contributor. I'm very much if if we let's win as a team. Let's help one another. Let's um, I'm I, I'm definitely going to be focused on me doing well, but it also behooves me to help my colleagues do well. Mm -hmm. So I would say those are two that are really uh, core. To me, what would you say, Andy? Well, mine, I've, mine, I've, I sort of distilled in my, my books. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, if I'll take my most recent book, Amp Up Your Sales, the AMP part of that mm -hmm. is really an acronym. Um, and it didn't really, <laughs> I had a dispute with my editor, so it didn't really <laughs> come out as clearly in the mm. book as I had hoped or as I'd originally written it. But, um, so the AMP is an acronym and the A stands for, Accelerate your responsiveness. Yeah, that's which, good. Which is this customer orientation we're talking about? Is mm -hmm. is the customers giving me some of their time? I need to give them something of value in return, and I need to do that as quickly as I can. Mm -hmm. 
And so acceler always focusing on how do I accelerate my responsiveness to my prospects and to my customers. The second, the M, is for maximize value. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I am conscience, conscious and conscientious about every time I have an interaction with a prospect or a customer to have a plan to maximize the value I deliver to them, you know, to help them make at least one step closer to moving or move at least one step closer to making a decision. Mm-hmm. And then the P is for me is is something that's really important to me as I call it practice simplicity, which is you know how do I how do I keep the extraneous out of my sales process? Mm. You know anything that doesn't I have like to do that. with serving the customer. How do I get that out of my sales process and really focus on helping the customer make a purchase decision? You know I've brought this up before in the show, and yeah, I love this quote that I've appropriated from Jeff Bezos that he had given in the Harvard Business Review about what I think is a great quote about sales. It's in my book where he says, you know, we don't make money when we sell things. We make money when we help customers make purchase decisions. Mm. And to me, that's that's what sales is. You know, we help customers make purchase decisions. It's not about persuading or convincing or selling to them, but it's it's what we do with them to help them and so for me, yeah, that's my philosophy is, you know, I accelerate my responsiveness. You know, that's creating a standard for myself that I, mm-hmm. I live up to as 100% of the time. Um, you know, we've mentioned before, you know, I hate, hate being away from email and phones and so on just because, you know, clients may call and I want to be as responsive as possible. Focus on delivering value every time you have an interaction with a prospect. Every time, no matter, you know, how big or how small. And then, yeah, keep it simple and direct. You know, make sure that when you're offering something to a prospect, that it's clear what you're offering. Uh, that you know you don't confuse things and obfuscate things with, with fluff. But and as you talked about before, is yeah, you know, be a truth teller. That's practicing simplicity in your selling. If it's if the customer is not the right fit for you, don't waste their time or yours going further with it. You know, if if to me, it's it's one of the things when like when I work with companies and you know we go and do a, a pipeline review. If they're really focused on this, this, you know, amp up, you know, accelerate their responsiveness, maximize value, practice simplicity, they'd look at the pipeline and, and we go through that exercise with that lens. Yeah, a lot of things drop out because they're just not, you know, they're wasting the prospect's time, they're wasting their time, they're not uh, disqualifying prospects they should be disqualifying, which are all part of simplifying your, your sales process. You know, one of the things I really like about what you're talking about, Andy, in your three, like your sales philosophy, this responsiveness, the maximizing value, practicing simplicity, I hear a lot of personal accountability. And I, I think that's a huge one. I mean, for me, that's also a big one in in sales, in sales leadership, Um either is having personal accountability to results, to what you're providing, to not be looking externally and expecting your success to come from other places, but really a lot of this is what I'm doing. And I think that accountability is really, really critical. Well, I think the the sort of flip side of that, which I think is really important for the audience to understand and part of what informs my philosophy and has for as long as I can remember in sales, is that it's about mastering 
those elements of your sales process that are under your direct control. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. completely control how responsive I'm going to be. So why wouldn't I want that to be as, as incredibly responsive as I can make it? Right. Why would I wait? Because it makes a difference in the prospect's evaluation of me. It makes a difference in my ability to win the business. So, And I, like I said, I have complete control over that. Similarly, with maximizing the value I deliver, I can ensure that every time I interact with the prospect, I can deliver the maximum value possible. Because I have a choice. If I can't do that, you know, as I advocate, if you don't know the value you're going to deliver to a prospect in a, a sales touch, then don't do it. Don't do it till you're ready. To, otherwise, you're just wasting their time. You're wasting your time. And that's going to count and work against you. So, you know, these are all things I can control. And so I think as a sales rep, that's the best position to be in. Because lots of things you can't control. You can't control the price. You can't control the product features. But you can control these aspects. And if you do that, then you're going to be well ahead of the game compared to other people you're competing against. Yeah, and and I I really res- that re- really resonates with me, Andy, because you know over the years of being again an individual contributor and then also in management, there is the temptation to correlate your success with things that are outside of your control, and and on the flip side to correlate when things don't go well to things. Actually, we tend to, when things go well, it's me, me, me. When things don't go well, it's because all these things haven't happened or happened or didn't happen. And I think just this focus on, I am going to stay fixed, focused, and really working on those things that I can control, those things that I can be accountable for, the, the the reps that do that are the ones that definitely see see the most success. Yeah, and it's it's you, then you're never really you're never really um, confused about what it is that you should be doing. Right. Because I've I've gone into companies. I know you've gone into companies, and you can sit with reps and say, okay, what what are you doing? <laughs> right. What are, what are you doing today? And like when you come in first thing in the morning, what's what's what should you be doing? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they don't really understand that, and sort of they sort of make it up as the day goes along, and so on. And and when you've got this sort of well-defined, customer-focused philosophy about selling, then your day becomes much more clear. Well, like and like you and I've said is you've got this, you've got the philosophy well understood, as well as the activities that align to that philosophy. And then it's much easier, okay, if this is my philosophy, and these are the most important activities related to this philosophy, this is how my day should roll out. And this is what it should look like. And this is the time. Our calendars are great indicators of where our priorities are. And and then again, what what our what uh, what our philosophy is. So I think that's it, it's great to start with the philosophy, and then move outward. Move what what do activities look like? How do I manage my time? What does it look like based on this being sort of my the north star of who I am and what I what I believe? Exactly. So we would like to hear from you the listener, about what your sales philosophy is and what you think is important. And so, as we've said before, as you submit this to us, you can send it. Gosh, it could be a video. It could be a voice. It could be just an email. Send it to 
andy at zerotimeselling.com. We'd love to hear from you, and, and we'll feature it on one of our upcoming shows. Sounds great. All right. Well, Bridget, as always, it's been fantastic. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Excellent. I look forward to it as well. Have a great, uh, great rest of the day. And everybody, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week as well. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.